Hello, welcome back to our proverbial couch. Um, I have Matt and Drew here with me. Thank you so much for joining. Um, this is the second part of our self-care mental health series. Um, so I thought it'd be really interesting to be able to sit down with the two that I spend probably the most amount of time with in the morning. Um, how are you guys? Yeah, great, yeah. How, how has your holidays been so far? Busy. Busy? Yeah, busy. I'm ready. Busy, yeah. They start officially, I guess, next week. So, <laughs> one more week of work, the work slog. The work slog. Um, so, right now, in kind of like our digital space, self care is such an industry mm. buzzword. Like, not that it's a new concept or anything, yeah. it's just very much like out there. Um, do you think it's out there right now just because digital media is so prevalent? Or do you think that it's a movement that's really putting more light into the importance of mental health as opposed to just physical health? Mm. Do you, want, you want me to say it first? You go first. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> classic. <laughs> Pass the buck. Um, I kind of feel like one of the reasons that it's out there is because of social platforms in regards to mental wellness uh, and people bandwagoning that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that it's really prevalent largely because um, it's a rather ubiquitous term and what self-care actually constitutes, no one is effectively defining because I don't know if you can effectively define it. Right. You know what I mean? So it's... Um, it's a term that is not a term. It's like saying you like something. It's sort of a descriptor that is not effective. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like this whole idea of self-care and like the, the this idea of wellness is so poorly defined. Yeah, it opens up a lot of room to you know mess around with that and maybe use it inappropriately, but I think it, you know, in terms of social media and the way things are going, I think that's just, you know, a little bit of the era of who's getting affected by this perception of wellness, right? Like it's mm -hmm. our generation coming through kind of this digital age. And then at the same time, you know, throughout, you know, the corporate world, through, you know, the workplace, the acknowledgement that you know, wellness is really important for productivity at the same time. I think those two things kind of going in concert has made it really, you know, it's been idealized this perception of wellness and what that means. And then most of the time people have no idea what it means. And so when I think about it in terms of wellness and self-care, it's really kind of this multifaceted thing. And it's, it's kind of completely like not a dictionary def definition, mm -hmm. but Obviously, one part of it is physical health, and that's the piece that's easiest to identify in all of us. Like, what is your physical health like? But then there's the mental health piece. But there's also this whole other piece that kind of gets ignored, and that's really the non-physical, non-mental health parts of your life that really contribute to your overall wellness. And that's kind of your living space, your environment, your relationships, and those kind of things all feed back into your mental health and physical health. And so when we talk about self-care and wellness, you know, just like they used to focus too much on the physical health, now there's a little bit too much focus necessarily on the mental health, and there's less focus of how wellness is actually influenced by everything that mm -hmm. is around you in your environment that you interact with every day. And that's really important, and it gets neglected a lot too. 
I also find that like if you are in an environment that's a bit stressful, so holiday time is usually pretty stressful, end of year, end of quarter, end of month, it's usually quite a stressful time. I think that's when if you are struggling a little bit, and I know for myself personally, like whenever I've struggled with mental health, it's usually in those areas where it's the most stressful is where you feel it the most prevalently. Um, and, and I know that for a lot of people out there, they'll take like a physical sort of manifestation. So they'll go to the gym or they'll go for a run and that's a way to kind of relieve some of that stress. But I find that you can get to a point where even doing those things is incredibly hard to do. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, how, um, how you end up internalizing um, stress or, or fatigue on your body and your mind is, I mean, that's going to change person to person, but yeah, absolutely. I find it really difficult to get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, again, it's complicated because on the one hand, you know, almost everybody will agree that physical activity is good for your physical health and for your mental health as well. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned, like you can, you know, relieve stress, it can help you just, you know, get better sleep at night, like it helps with so many different aspects that can have impact on your mental health and depending on, you know, what your physical activity is, whether that's kind of team-based sports or going to the gym, it may actually help with your community and your surrounding as well. So that kind of all works together to be beneficial, but then at the same time, you know, you can get to a point where it becomes like, oh, this is a lot of work, this is a lot of effort, and depending on what your mental state is, you may actually not get any of those benefits from it, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's, yeah. you know, pushing you to the point of exhaustion, or it's actually going to make you less productive throughout the day, or it's going to, you know, your interactions with other people are going to be negative because of that extra additional stress of, you know, mm -hmm. oh, now I have to go to the gym for this one hour. And it can also be detrimental if it becomes kind of like a obsessive compulsive behavior as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that can all play back on each other and it can be potentially very negative depending on the space you're in. Right. Do you find it's isolating? In which way isolating? Um, like, so in part, part one of this series, um, a lot of it's reflective on my, on my own journey um, as an athlete, as a coach, and just as someone who participates in a lot of physical activity and physical well-being, and any of the mental health struggles that I have had, I've found to be very isolating. Mm. It's it's more of a space where, okay, like I, f I feel a little bit better today, so I'll go to the gym. But I don't really feel like I'm there in mind. I'm there in like physical body, mm -hmm. and I'm able to do all the things and you can kind of put on a little mask to say like yeah like I feel fine when really like you're not okay so I found it to be like a very like isolating experience where it's you know on the one hand it's like all right like I'm, I'm gonna try to do things that are gonna hopefully help me get out of that state and help me kind of get back to a more normalized feeling but on the other hand it's this is a chore and I'm doing it because I know that it's good for my physical body. Mm. My brain's really not there though. I mean, I think that could be said of almost any activity. Like when, yeah. when you get, it depends on, again, your headspace, depends on where you're at, but you know, you can think about that like any activity, like going at groceries for an example, like if you're feeling down, 
like that becomes a huge chore. And then other times, you know, that might be, you know, it's get out of the house, it might be therapeutic. Like it's, there's, there's different, I think it depends on the situation. And I don't think the gym is necessarily much different than that. Like for some people at some points, you know, it can be a great sense of community as well as, you know, the physical activity combined together. So that's really can be very positive. And then again, if it gets to the point that you were describing where it's actually a chore, then that may actually be more negative than positive. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, again, it, it's very situational. Mm -hmm. I would just connect it to that though. How does that, um, in your mind, like come around in regards to wellness? Because um, to Matt's point, like physical, mental, and then, uh, you know, social and, and uh, environmental wellness are mm -hmm. all facets of that. Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely agree with that assessment. I think that they're all kind of intertwined, right? So if you've got a really good kind of mental health, you're more likely, not exclusively, but I think I feel like you're more likely to engage in positive things to attribute to your physical health and, mm. you know, positive things that will attribute to your social kind of well-being, maintenance of relationships and, and things like that. And, ensuring that your your overall environment is conducive to your overall wellness. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think when when people are kind of in mental health states that are, you know, a little bit depressed and it's starting to kind of trend downwards, at least for myself anyway, like there is still an awareness of, you know, trying to keep the other kind of, if it's like a triangle, right? Like you're trying Aspects to keep elevated. those, yeah, you're trying to keep those other kind of legs up still and you're trying to keep those areas elevated in hopes that if you continue to nurture those and you continue to cultivate those, that hopefully it will bleed over some positive energy into your negative mm. mental state, hopefully. Um, it doesn't always happen that way, mm. but I think the I think the the kind of goal has always been, well, at least if I can if I can focus my the the small amounts of energy that I have to the one aspect that hopefully it'll inspire me or it'll bring me back to a state where I can mm -hmm. focus on those other areas. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I've been reading a lot of articles lately, and that perhaps um, and you can speak to this a little bit more, but. I'm wondering if this kind of hyper focus on wellness and self-care and 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 those types of things is really a highlight on the lackings of <clears throat> the availability of, of access to mental health care within our healthcare system. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of more of a historical piece, but the way that I think there's a couple important things to distinguish. The first is that there's a difference between health and healthcare, right? The way our healthcare system is designed is to fix things that are broken. Um, so, you know, when people are kind of at the far end, it's like this, this idea that you can somehow like claw back at whatever is going on, get someone back to perfectly brand new, which is right. completely impossible for anything. Um, and so, you know, our healthcare system, at least in Canada, with the public healthcare space, is really the initial part was designed around physical health when people were kind of at the end of 
what they can kind of take. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where we kind of have universal coverage for those emergency situations, right? And then the mental health care that evolved out of that was also built on this emergency care kind of model, which is where somebody can be spiraling out of control for so long that they end up, you know, making terrible decisions and end up in the emergency room or they end up with very, you know, complicated mental health issues, which, you know, at the end of the day, that represents a very small portion of the people that actually have mental health issues and mm -hmm. the rest of the population is not well served and well, I would argue that most of the population with mental health is not well served this model because it involves this cycle of you know illness that progresses to a point of no return right and then acute intervention which may help stabilize or reverse a little bit but it kind of just creates this cycle, which is not particularly helpful for anybody. And so the, you know, the additional focus now on kind of mental health and, and is we're really far behind um, what's kind of happened in the physical health space because we know that, for example, you know, dental care is a very easy example of this where workers and you know employers have long acknowledged that's an important part of someone's physical health is just you know taking care of your teeth properly right and so that's kind of a standard part of any kind of benefits package someone would get mm -hmm. is that you get coverage for your dental so that's you know everyone kind of knows that's important but then you look at what's happened with kind of benefits that you know for things that wouldn't be covered by our public health care system for mental health um, and you know these are this is changing over time, but you know things that would be like a mental health day, like just having that as an option instead of a sick day, mm -hmm. is really important. I think because you know having that ability to pull the release valve and say, hey, you know what, I I need a mental break. That's important. Um, like things that can prevent that spiraling uh, piece of of uh, mental illness is really important um, and prevent it early on so um, and then you know there's other things like psychologist care is not part of our public health system so mm -hmm. that is something that you know if your benefits don't pay for that most benefits now do cover those that care or at least a portion of it mm -hmm. um, so but still is you know it can be an impediment to people that are actually seeking to be healthy you know and avoid that kind of spiral behavior so I think, you know, things have gotten better, but there still is this kind of historic issue with the way our whole healthcare system is built. And and also this kind of idea that there's healthcare and then there's health, right? So the health is what people want. And the healthcare system, the way it's built, is really just to prevent people from going to the absolute extreme end of illness. Right. So it's it's not it's not perfect. It's far from it. Yeah, I mean, therapy is expensive. <laughs> just put that out there. Therapy is incredibly expensive. Um, In just curiosity, what would, in your ideal situation, what would be a progressive step? Um, I mean, I think, you know, I've seen it in my workplace, so... Going through my training to become a physician is when I was in residency program, they actually started to implement wellness centers, which initially were kind of, ad admittedly, they were probably, you know, poorly executed initially, and there still is a lot of room for development, but the idea that um, 
there are just a part of your whole workplace is devoted to making sure that people are able to stay well instead of this idea that we want to treat you if you become unwell. So right. it's just kind of flipping the focus yeah. a little bit um, and acknowledging that you know workplace stress is common and workplace stress you know sometimes it's good because it you know if you're under a stressful environment for example a deadline mm -hmm. you need deadlines to yeah. to keep yourself productive but yeah. sometimes if it goes too far it becomes detrimental so acknowledging that that kind of needs to be addressed and that it's okay to take a day off and like that that whole it's just a mental perspective on on what the workplace should be so that that's changes happen but I think you know, employers need to take the initiative to acknowledge that wellness is important to integrate into their whole, the the whole society of their workplace, right? So if the more people acknowledge it's important, the easier it becomes to talk about it, the easier it becomes to say, hey, I'm picking a mental health day. Mm -hmm. And the more kind of commonplace that conversation becomes, then the better it becomes. So I think that those steps are already happening in most workplaces. Um, but I think, you know, integrating into benefits and all those things are better for the employer too, because if your worker is well, your worker is more productive mm -hmm. and you're going to have a, you know, better output from them. So it's in their best interest to address it early on. And when you think about like how common depression is and how common mental illness is, if you can keep your workers healthy mm -hmm. and in all aspects, it's definitely going to be better for your business. Mm -hmm. So, but I think, you know, that you asked, you know, what, what should change? I think there is some change already happening, but really acknowledging from a workplace perspective that, you know, this is common. There are things you can do to, to prevent yourself from getting, becoming unwell. And some of those things are directly part of the workplace. So really taking that and, and owning it as a, employer would be important yeah I think there's I think there's still a lot of um, shame's maybe not quite the right word but I, I think people you know if, if, especially like when you're at work and you get those allotted sick days mm -hmm. a lot of people are very reluctant to take it for mental health yeah. they're just like oh I have a cold or I have the flu so that justifies me taking a day off because yeah. I'm actually physically ill um, you know, but if they're not, if they're not doing very well, um, you know, or they're experiencing depressive episodes or depressive symptoms, a lot of people I think are, are still very shamed to say, mm -hmm. I just need to take the day today yeah. to, to reset myself yeah. back to normal. I would totally agree with that. And I think the other, um, another aspect of that is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, um, when you're in that state, uh, especially, you know, relating to what Matt was saying, in preventative space, how do you gauge that you actually need a mental health day um, before you escalate to a point when you're 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 a little bit far beyond? Mm -hmm. um, how do you actually uh, ensure that you exist within the space of um, preventative rather than reactive behavior? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think. You know, that's important. I think you mentioned like shame is kind of a, an issue with kind of taking those actions and that can be a challenge because often shame is part of the symptoms of the, the mental illness too, right? Yeah. Like it's, you know, this, this idea that your self-worth is less than mm -hmm. is kind of 
a big part of depressive symptoms. And so if you add that in with then a workplace environment where, you know, there's a, there's a kind of shame of taking a mental health day, that can compound issues a lot. Um, so that's a challenge for sure. And I think, you know, again, the more people talk about it, the more commonplace it is, the less stigma there will be with kind of taking those preventative measures. And I think too, like just in terms of the general conversation, like I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, taking a mental health day isn't going to fix it for everybody. And, you know, going to see the therapist is not going to fix it for everybody. Mm -hmm. And some people are going to need medication and some people are going to need, you know, hospital intervention at times. And I think that's also important to acknowledge that sometimes that happens and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, that we were talking about shame, it's important to acknowledge that that is part of mental illness. Like, just like any other illness, you might need more in aggressive treatment than somebody else. So acknowledging that spectrum and, and that there is, you know, differences from one person to another and that's, it's, you know, it is a, it's an illness. It's not, it's not something that you can control necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think our digital space it's kind of like a two-sided coin. So on the on the one hand, it's you know it it has allowed the broader society to kind of see, talk about, hear about you know different sorts of of issues that are happening within ourselves without as much of a fear of stigmatization for it. On the other hand, it also helps to really highlight that that stigmatization is still very, very, very prevalent within our society. Um, there is a lot of shame for people taking the time that they need. There's still a lot of shame about admitting that they are suffering. Um, you know, there's a, at least in the athletic realm, a lot of kind of provincial and national sporting organizations when their athletes are competing at like the highest level possible, you know, they have, we have a plethora of, of resources on staff. So we have staff, we have staff nutritionists, we have physiotherapists, we have doctors, we have sports psychologists, we have our trainers, mm. our coaches, we have all of that at the, at the disposal. And, and part of that's to ensure that if you are competing and, and that is your primary focus, that all of those aspects of your life is taken care of and it's not just you know are you physically able to compete in the sport but are you are you sleeping enough at night are you eating enough are you eating things that are good for you um you know is your mental state in 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 a good place where you can be productive uh not everyone has access to that plethora of of resources that's out there um so i think a lot of times like i see this when i work in, in rugby at the provincial level, there's a lot of young athletes that, you know, they're at stages in their lives where they're still figuring out a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that are really overwhelming. There's a lot of pressure. Um, and, and sometimes you can just kind of sense that like they really don't know where to go, who to see, how to talk to you about it, and how to not feel shameful about saying, I need some assistance in this area. Because I think a lot of the times, especially as athletes, like we're expected to be strong, um, you know, from, from everything from your physical strength to your mental strength. But some of that stuff starts to break down. And I think a lot of bigger organizations really only start to hyper-focus on it 
when there's extremes that happen within that space. Um, you'll see a lot of athletes that, you know, they're competing at the highest levels and they've been able to achieve a lot of really great things and they've kind of just been suffering in the background that entire time and they've been able to kind of compartmentalize what that looks like and they say, okay, like all of my energy and all my focus is going to be on this one thing. I don't necessarily have the time to deal with that and when they're not in that space anymore, all of those things that they've just pushed off to the side just really come to the forefront and um, and sometimes the extremes happen where, you know, athletes will commit suicide. And that's usually I've I've found that that's usually when there's the biggest focus on we need to, to take better care of our athletes and it's the same in the workplace. We need to take better care of our employees because you don't want them to get to that point. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important to recognize that one of the biggest symptoms is to mask what it is that you're feeling because you don't want to burden anybody and you don't want to shame, you don't want to feel shameful about it and you don't want to, you know, not really admit that you need help but it's like maybe you just don't know where to go to get it. Um, and some of the people that have, you know, unfortunately felt that that was the only thing that they could do to, to relieve their pain was was just to end everything. Um, from the outset, they look super happy, you know, and, and it's just a mask. And so I'm wondering if that's something that you guys notice, um, if it's, you know, things that, you know, as as friends, as, as support networks, if there's, if there's ways that we can see what that is and if there's ways that you know you can find support within your own network do you want me to go first yes. anyway, um, I think you know it's you brought up a lot of good points with like you know particularly young people there's a lot of things in your you know young people in their 20s that are, you know, they're figuring out, you know, who they are, what they like, what they're good at, you know, what their personality is, um, who they want to hang out with. There's a lot of things that, you know, you figure out in your 20s and, you know, mental illness makes all that so much more difficult because it's very confusing plus then you're ashamed of all these things that you're feeling, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge and I think in terms of, you know, preventing suicide, preventing people from having, you know, long-term mental health issues, whether or not we can prevent that, I'm not sure if that's possible, but I think, you know, the, the best thing that we can do is, again, make it, you know, open in terms of having conversations about mental health and having that early on and, um, you know, even going before the workplace, like, obviously, this is stuff that evolves well before you're in the workplace, well mm -hmm. before you're in this high performance situations. Mm -hmm. Like going back to, you know, even as far back as elementary school, like starting to you know, we all took health class when we were in, exactly. yep. in yeah. school, right? So <laughs> this is where you start to learn about what health is and that's where you kind of develop what your con your concepts of, you know, what health is as a person. So if we can start to even go back that far mm -hmm. and kind of engage in conversations about mental yeah. health, that'd be important. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think in terms of pre preventing it, one of the things you talked about was, you know, you're, you kind of hinted about the community setting. And I think 
establishing who your community is is really important mm -hmm. because you need to have people around you that you can trust whether you're introverted or extroverted like that is critical mm -hmm. what and you know if you're introvert you might have a smaller community but your community is crucial right yeah and I think you know again it goes back to having skills to develop that finding out what you like finding people that you can relate to that's that's important because at the end of the day you know you can only put so many you know mechanisms in place structurally in a workforce and a society that are designed to check these things mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's about the individual and, and they have to figure out a way to function in society right and that that there's some responsibility that goes to the individual on that but you know giving skill sets to developing community like we all go to the gym together and we have a community there and like that's really important mm -hmm. and that's kind of part of what our mental health check is right like we go to the gym we have people that notice when we're not there yeah. like that's that yeah. that's super important yeah. so i think those kind of things are you know things that individuals need to need to do to stay healthy like mm -hmm. you need to have a community i think that's that's crucial it doesn't matter whether your community is one person or a hundred people mm -hmm. Uh, on, yeah, I'm on exactly the same wavelength as Matt, and um, you mentioned something specific in regards to um, athletes and perception of strength, and I think that um, what we prescribe as strength um, is um, really inaccurate. I think that there is definitely strength in vulnerability, mm -hmm. and speaking about um, where you're at mentally and physically. Um, there is strength in that and how to communicate that effectively um, to the people that you feel comfortable communicating that to. Um, you know, I, I think that's um, mm -hmm. a rather bold and like a, a strong act. Mm -hmm. So finding solace in that and comfort in that, um, you know, that's like, I think anyone should just try and, and do that in any sort of capacity. Um, and that sort of connects to something else that I was thinking about as, um, as you guys were chatting, which is um, the image of wellness and the image of, um, you know, that we've been prescribed in regards to mental health. Like any of the campaigns that have been discussed in regards to sports and mental health, mm -hmm. um, these athletes are all represented in such a, a high level and they're uh, perce uh, perceived as so successful um, you know, how could they potentially have any of these, these issues? And ultimately it's like, um, I would like to justify in my head that the reason that was done was so that it could address and democratize, mm -hmm. uh, mental health. And I think that if anything, it's actually polarized it in regards to, um, like everyone has these issues, but realistically, I think that it's just being addressed as like, um, physicality and mental space as two separate entities mm -hmm. rather than a cognitive entity. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting because I think, I think you are right, like I think any of the big campaigns that we've seen mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. are, are generally portrayed mm -hmm. by people that are perceived to be very successful mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of from the outset without really knowing anything about them, um, the perception is that they've been able to hit the highest milestones mm -hmm. within their careers and they've been able to hit those accolades that they've worked really hard for. 
so therefore, like, what is there to, to complain about? What is there to, yeah. to be worried about? And, you know, and, and if we reflect on ourselves as just regular, you know... Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's snoring. snoring. looks like he's yeah. laying in his sleep, so it's really yeah. cute. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyone that's out there, you, you can't see this, but he yeah. is the cutest thing, maybe ever. Yes. Um, <laughs> He, he, I think he also realizes that we're talking about him yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, but going back to that, like, even if we strip that away and we say, okay, like, there's just, you know, the common person out mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of times when even just your friends or family, when they perceive you yeah. and what you're projecting, it's like, oh, you know, your career's going really well. You've been able to hit those milestones you know, you've got a, a healthy kind of social circle and everything from the outside looks very glossy and it mm-hmm. looks really nice. And so when when you do say, hey, like I'm struggling a little bit, like, yeah. you know, people are a little taken aback because they're just like, what do you mean? Yeah. Conceivably, I have nothing to complain about, really. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that I am, you know, not vulnerable to these to these things um, and that these things are not affecting me or the or the people around me and that's and that's to go with with just about anyone that's out there one of the one of the biggest things that drives me absolutely crazy um, on social media is is when people put posts out that I, I think from kind of the innocent standpoint is meant to be very motivational and, and I think what it does is it it, it it has almost an opposite effect where it's hey like this person was able to go do this and do this and do this and like what is your excuse and for me I'm just like it infuriates me because I'm like mm-hmm. a lot of times you know people are, are not doing these things because they're making excuses there are very valid reasons and mental health just happens to be one of those sort of ailments that is invisible you can't really see it it's not like you know a cut on your hand or a broken bone that you can physically see and say okay like yeah. that's causing you pain mm-hmm. i can see that um a lot of those things are much more subsurface and they're much deeper um and a lot of times like they're just invisible you really can't see that <clears throat> so it kind of goes back to um the things that we kind of talked about at the beginning of the episode where it's you know, now it's, it's, it's such in the forefront in our digital space, and it's really, really, really out there. And at the same token, it's, you know, you can find some solace to, to say, yes, like there's people out there that are maybe going through the same things or similar things, and you can find some resonance in that. And then there's also kind of the other side of it where it's, you know, like, what's your excuse for not doing this today? It's like, you know, it, it was hard to get out of bed this morning for a variety of reasons. It's not because I just didn't want to go. I'm making excuses to not want to go to the gym this morning. It was hard and difficult to actually get up and want to do anything, let alone, you know, trying to get there. Um, do you think that... It's, and, and, you know, we're, we're all kind of in that space where we are a little bit older. Um, but I think if, if you were kind of, you know, an adolescent, think back to like late teens, early 20s, in, in this digital era, 
because a, a lot of our time in that space would have been not in digital space. Yeah. Do you think that it would it would it would have impacted your outlook on, you know, what it means to take care of your mental well being, versus not? I think one thing you know you brought up this kind of concept of there's this the what's your excuse kind of typical post that we see a lot and I I think for a lot of the time like I find those can be very motivational when I look at see somebody that's like you know 95 and still going to the gym and lifting weights like those awesome. kind of things are really cool to see and like Some of those old ladies put me to shame yeah and I think it's it's really important <laughs> that those kind of posts exist because I think there is it breaks down a lot of perceived barriers to pursuing physical fitness mm -hmm. and pursuing, you know, healthy lifestyles, which is important. But I also agree there's a, there's a flip side in that it can evolve into kind of this, it's almost like a way of inflicting shame on somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, and depending on how it's applied, that can be pretty negative. But I think, you know, understanding as a society that there's a, there's a, thing called burnout which happens to the best yeah. of us mm -hmm. like we can talk with i can talk with any of my colleagues have they experienced burnout and 100 of the time someone will say yes and and burnout is really just you are whether that's physical mental emotional exhaustion mm -hmm. you're you don't have anything left in the tank and the only way to fix that is to recover somehow and you know at the gym that means taking a day off mm -hmm. that means you need to take a break and that's not an excuse that's actually part of being physically active mm -hmm. is that you need to take a break mm -hmm. sometimes you can't go 100 mm percent -hmm. ahead all the time because yeah. it will be counterproductive to your own to your physical health so the same thing goes with mental health like you can you sometimes need to take a break and you know whatever part of your life that comes into that's really important like there's burnout and there is recovery that's required to fix it mm -hmm. and so I think that is you know all those kind of posts are really important but they're also you know we need to acknowledge that those posts don't apply to every situation mm -hmm. like they apply to a general situation like yeah. you need to it's true you need to have physical activity in your life that is and if and if you're making excuses that are based on you know i can't do it because of x yeah then that's that's you know what those posts are aimed at um and obviously there's some people out there that just can't for various physical reasons but mm -hmm. um i think you know also understanding what those posts are and how to you know when we share them who we share them with and how we share them needs to be thoughtful mm -hmm. and targeted uh, personally i actually hate those posts i think they're really ridiculous i think what is interesting about the posts or um what i appreciate in regards to certain posts um is personal responsibility and ownership. Right. And I think that that resonates, especially with mental health. Because mm -hmm. um, at a certain point, you do, you, you are responsible for your own mental and physical well-being. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not that's just asking for help is another thing entirely. Right. Um, in regards to your other question about youth. Yeah. Um, I think what's challenging um, about contemporary culture is it's so much more image-based and video-based than any other culture um, within our history. So now it's less about reading and perceived um, passing of information. It's more about 
um, graphic and visual representation, and mm -hmm. how do you actually represent that effectively um, when what you're discussing is intangible? Right. Like, what does um, what does mental wellness and mental well-being actually look like? And how does that? How can that be diversified so that um, younger people can address? Yeah, I might not be in, within a healthy space, or I am functioning within a healthy space. Mm -hmm. You know what that also looks like to each person is so different. So, um, total honesty, I think it's a clusterfuck. I think that we're not necessarily educating um, kids effectively or, or individuals effectively in regards to how. Um, to do that mm -hmm. properly. And um, to Matt's point earlier, yeah, I think it should happen at uh, like an, an elementary level. Like when we speak about health, it, it should be intrinsic. Yeah, no, I agree, because I think, you know, that focus, you know, I would have been in elementary school in the 80s. Uh, you know, but I mean, in, in that time period, uh, a lot of the focus was, was certainly on your physical health. It's, mm, yeah. it's like nutrition health. It's, you know, what are you feeding your bodies that you can grow? Yeah. Um, you know, how are you exercising that so that, you know, your physical body stays yeah. healthy yeah. Yeah. and you're and you're kind of taught the importance of, of those aspects. Um, I don't necessarily remember a time, maybe in high school perhaps, mm. or even maybe even as far up as university, but um, you know, where there's a bit more focus on, on that mental health. Mm -hmm. It might have been university, you know, when you're kind of in an environment where it is a, a lot more stressful. Mm. Um, some of the highest suicide rates are with university-aged yeah. yeah. um, aged people, generally in their first few years, not even towards the end. But, you know, it's that overwhelming environment, it's that overwhelming stressful environment. It's It's also coupled with that's the time in your life when you're really making a lot of self-discoveries about yourself and your identity and, and, and where you want to resonate in the world. And so all that, that time is just a confusing time in general for a lot of different things and a lot of different aspects. And so you kind of couple that in with academic stress and people just really don't know what to do. Um, University was one of the first times where there was access to mental health care that was free. Mm -hmm. It was part of your tuition. You could go and see a clinical psychologist on campus. Um, and a lot of times you were encouraged, especially around like midterms, finals, those really, really stressful points in the year where, hey, if you just need to talk to someone, you know, neutral ear, someone who's just going to sit and like listen. Uh, there's no bias there because they don't know you personally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but like, I mean, that that's like the first time that you would get exposure to something that yeah. at like 18 or 19 is the first time. And I, and, and I, you know, I think that, you know, you guys are, are, are totally just, you know, nailing this one. It, it's, it's one of those education pieces that I think needs to happen at a much, much earlier age. Mm -hmm. Where it's not just the focus on your physical body, but it's, you know, your well-being as a whole. It's making sure that all of those skills are developed, all of those areas are are kind of looked upon as being important. And it's not placing importance of one over the other, but it's looking at it as a holistic entity. Your physical body, you know, will remain as healthy 
as your mental state, you know, as your other aspects, you know, in your life that, that help to shape what that looks like is, mm -hmm. is looked at as a, you know, holistic entity rather than the individual branches, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, it's, it's not that surprising to me that, you know, most people out there didn't really get exposure to, to, I guess, the advice and the care until they're much older and not when they're young and, in, you know, informative development years when mm -hmm. those are the, the really confusing times in your life and because you're just learning about everything all at once. Um, you know, as adults, you know, we've, we've had, I guess, the gift of a bit more experience so we can draw on some of those experiences to help us to help guide us through and to make decisions and, and to help seek out information and to seek out that assistance. But when you're young, you really don't have a lot of those experiences mm -hmm. to go on. Yeah. Um, and it can be a bit of a struggle. I work with, with age grade athletes, so a lot of them are under 20, under 18. And, you know, for a lot of them, like they're, you know, some of them are a bit shy and a bit reserved. And, you know, you kind of ask them, like, are you okay? And they kind of look at you and you, yeah. you just kind of gut, you do a little gut check and you kind of know that they're not, um, but they may, may not have, have really discovered like how to articulate what that is. Yeah. And even just to, just to say, hey, can we, can we chat for like half an hour about, it could be about nothing, right? Yeah. But it's, it's for them to know that there is somebody out there, and I think one of the reasons why I've been very vocal on all the platforms that I'm on about the importance of mental health is there is a massive stigma out there. There's a lot of shame that's involved around it, especially if you're in, if you're in a work environment or you're in a sport where the focus is, you know, like you're supposed to be leading, you're supposed yeah. to be strong. Like, it, this is not this is not what your identity is, but at the end of the day, we're all just human beings and um, with complex feelings and complex, mm -hmm. you know, things that are happening in our lives. And sometimes we just, we break down, we burn out and <clears throat> we're not quite as strong and that's okay. And, you know, part of, part of why I wanted to do this was I wanted to be able to shed light on, on things and, and hopefully, you know, for people like me and, and everyone else that's out there that speaks very openly about it and sheds more information, hopefully that stigmatization starts to go away. Mm -hmm. And people can just talk about it as openly as saying, hey, I hurt my knee today and I can't lift any weight because it hurts. <laughs> right? And not feel as shameful about saying, hey, I need to just take a day off mm -hmm. today and just focus, like refocus on myself. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that this shift and this hyper-focus in this area is actually helping people? Um, I want to say yes, and I also want to say no. I think it depends on uh, the execution. I think what's great about people discussing it is it creates a platform for other people to actually um, do self-checks and communicate where they're at. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really progressive and I think that's really great. Mm -hmm. um, in, on the flip side, I also think that it facilitates uh, at times miseducation and um, I 
the pendulum swinging a bit too far, right. if that makes any sense. Like, um, I think about dieting, like dieting is like an excellent example. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to have a diet that's effective and works for them right. uh, and engaging their own body. And we hear about all of these immense and aggressive um, diets that, that take people way too far. Mm -hmm. um, and I see the same thing in regards to mental health space. Mm -hmm. um, so yes and no. Yeah, I think I think the biggest problem that I see with, like I agree with you, it's it's important that people are talking about it, and this is you know the the focus on mental health, and that's really been great to expand the conversation and make it more mm -hmm. more normal and less stigmatized. But at yeah. the same time, it's kind of like the diet parallel. Like there's this also this belief that you know if you eat right and you do physical activity and you balance everything in your life appropriately and if you do all this stuff mm -hmm. then you're going to achieve this perfect mental health mm -hmm. yeah. and that's just wrong we know that you know people have mental illness people sometimes need medication people mm -hmm. sometimes are not going to be perfect mm -hmm. having a perfect diet is not going to solve all your problems yeah. having a regular workout is not going to solve all your problems mm -hmm. having this great community is not going to solve all your problems the idea is that those things can help you achieve your best possible mental state. Perhaps they can. But I think it also, it can be very dangerous to make the assumption that if you do all those things, and if you see somebody else doing all those things, then they should have the perfect mental health. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have perfect mental health and they're doing something wrong, yeah. I think that can be very dangerous. Particularly, you know, people that have depressive disorder, that have bipolar disorder, that have schizophrenia, like these things are not things you can just fix mm -hmm. with a perfect diet and a perfect mm -hmm. workout regimen. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we need to acknowledge that there's strategies that can improve mental health that we can take ownership of. And that's really great that that conversation is happening, but we also need to acknowledge that just like a perfect diet won't fix somebody's lupus or somebody's kidney disease, mm -hmm. It might help, but it won't fix it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing goes for mental health. And we yeah. need to kind of have that balanced viewpoint. Yeah, and I think right now, with aspects to health in general, people are always looking for those like quick fixes. Mm -hmm. If I do this, then yeah. this will occur. Yeah. And to, to some extent, it, it starts to fix some of the issues, but I don't necessarily think that it, it's just a band-aid that you can fix no. for everything. Yeah. It's, you know, if you if you eat healthier, you'll feel a little bit better, and you may be able to achieve, you know, that physical health that's beneficial for you. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's diet and exercise regime is going to look different. Uh, some people really do not enjoy going to the gym and like lifting heavy weight. Some people would rather run, but that's their jam and all the more power to them. And you know, and, and for some people they're just like, I hate running. Mm -hmm. That's not my thing. But they're happiest when they're in a gym and just like lifting weights and just kind of doing their own thing, right? So there's there's really no band-aid solution. There's no, you know, one size fits all. Um, I definitely think that it's a bit more individual in in that sense, but I, I but I do think that in finding different ways to achieve things that are good for you is a is a great step in in the right direction, 
um, and kind of being cognizant that just because this person that has a massive influence says, mm -hmm. hey, like this is something that like I've done and it works really well, that might not necessarily work for you. And even if you were to follow it to a T and it doesn't work, you can't, you know, it's, I think people are just getting caught up where it's like, oh, but I did what, you know, yeah. X, Y, Z, I did everything that, you know, this other person did and I did not get the same results or I did not feel the same way and it's, you know, this is not the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Like, it doesn't fit everybody, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. It is a, I can take parts of this because this will work for me and I can take parts of this because it'll work for me and I combine it together into my own little regime and that's what works for me. But it necessar won't necessarily work for you and it won't work for you, right? But I think there's there's that pressure out there to conform to, you know, what the broader society thinks you ought to do and defines what, what you know, what we think that we should be striving for and how, how we should be getting there. It's very individualistic and it's very, you know, things that work for you. Like, like for me, like sometimes when I really need a break, like I shut everything off. I don't look at my phone, I don't really talk to anybody and I'm just kind of like in my little zen space and I'll work on like little passion projects and I'll, you know, go for a run or maybe I'll go work out, but I'm kind of like to myself and and then, and then when I feel, you know, like I'm good and ready, then I immerse myself back into the social aspects of, of my life. You know, but sometimes, like, it's, it's, it's good to recognize and to be self-aware that that's what you need to, to be well. Yeah. Um, it might not be what someone else needs to do when they're feeling unwell, but that's what I need to do when I'm feeling unwell. Any final thoughts about that? Um, I, I feel like you... you touched upon it as well, where you see other people doing these sorts of tactics. And I think that we culturally need to make a space where if something works for us, we don't prescribe it to other people as well. Mm -hmm. And that we leave a space for other people, for, um, for them to discover what works for them, and also for us to be tolerant of what works for other people, even if it's different from what works for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, this kind of it all weaves together in the conversation about what wellness is. Like, mm -hmm. wellness means one thing to one person, and they achieve wellness in a different way mm -hmm. than somebody else does. And everybody's got their unique characteristics that's going to make that different. Yeah. So, but, but I think the more we talk about kind of wellness overall, the more it helps people kind of figure that out. What wellness is to them mm -hmm. yeah. and what they need to do to kind of achieve and maintain that and whether that is you know diet exercise you know meditation yoga or you know some people that are going to need you know medication that are going to need mm -hmm. you know yeah. therapy like making sure that we acknowledge that this is you know common this is and mental wellness is important, physical wellness is important, and, you know, helping each other achieve um, wellness is important as well. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting, and this is kind of maybe something that can be talked about another time, but the idea of kind of setting goals within our, you know, our physical activity is very common, but that should also be kind of 
integrated into our mental wellness as well. Mm -hmm. Like setting goals can be very important in helping us understand our own uh, our own thought process and helping be a little bit more aware of our our mental health. So if we can kind of integrate that that goal setting mentality just in terms of understanding your own mental health and how you interact with individuals and how you kind of self-reflect is going to be important. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's a really interesting point for us to end on. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, you know, we set goals as a society for things to be productive. So, you know, you set a goal for work, you set a goal yeah. for school, you set a physical goal and it's something that you work towards, but in that kind of mental health, mental well-being status, uh, we don't, as a society, tend to look at that in the same manner. We don't really tend to set goals, and we and we don't tend to talk about it in the same fashion. Um, and there's always kind of this shame and stigma around admitting if if you are suffering or if you have mm -hmm. issues. Um, you know, whereas. <clears throat> on the physical space or in the professional space, you know, setting goals is a very common thing. Working towards those goals is a very common thing. Yeah. Formulating plans as to how yeah. you're going to get to those goals sounds, yeah. is a very, very common thing. And I, and I think it's interesting to kind of see the societal shift where kind of holistic well-being people are starting to look at it as, hey, like I can set goals for myself there and you know, I can talk about it a little bit more openly and I can find methods to to mitigate what I'm feeling or, or you know, how to tackle challenges and you're looking at those challenges in a similar fashion as you're looking at it in physical challenges. Like one of my one of my really good friends, um, he he would always set these like really great goals professionally. And he'd always be able to achieve them. And in his kind of physical and mental state, like he's never really thought of it in the same way. And I asked him once just as a thought-provoking question. It's, you know, why do you separate the two things? Because um, you're saying that you can't achieve these things in, in, in your physical or your mental kind of health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And it's so compartmentalized from your professional life. It's, you know, your professional life, like, you've been able to hit milestones and accolades, and you have a, a, kind of like a little roadmap of how you're going to get there. In, in this space, we can also look at it in a very similar fashion. Maybe it's not as rigid, and maybe it's not as regimented, but you can still, I think, you can still set healthy goals mm -hmm. um, and still, you know, formulate kind of like a healthy sort of guideline of how you're going to achieve those yeah. things. Um, and those two spaces do not have to be mutually exclusive. Um, this has been a very thought-provoking yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you want to know more about the three of us, uh, you can find us collectively at uh, Studio 55 at 6.15 in the morning almost every day. Uh, these are the talls. I'm the small. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.